Hi, Jax. Hey, Jax. Hello, Jax. Hey, Jax, I have a question for you. And I'm just wondering about... I wanted to ask you about... Uh, I have a question for you. I have a question about the history of porn. Hi, Happy New Year, and welcome to this week's Thorny Issues, a shame-free female-led podcast answering uncomfortable questions about sex and intimacy that we all have but can be a little too nervous to ask for fear of being judged. This is a non-judgmental, inclusive, shame-free space. Welcome, I'm Jax, it's nice to meet you if you are new here. I'm a bit of a sucker for a new year. I think especially after all the reveling of the holidays, my December was wonderful. I was very lucky to be surrounded by friends and lots of laughter. I was also surrounded by a ton of really rich food, far too many cocktails, mostly ones I made, which were delicious. But I just sort of put my body through a lot and it's the end of a year, you get run down, life becomes a lot. So I quite like the switch to January 1st, not for any of this new year, new you bullshit, fuck that shit, but for just a chance to reset, set a few goals and see what am I going to achieve this year? I know people can really feel that, oh, who gives a fuck about resolutions? Why does it matter that it's now a new year? But I think there's something to savor in that. Time passes, we get older. I'm learning to embrace aging, she says, as she's got a big birthday this year. But looking at it in a way of who am I? Who have I become? What have I learned? How have I grown? What's all the cool shit I still get to do? Even if you just made it through, I can guarantee you did more than you think you did. It is apparently self-love month. Now, I am not trying to highlight the billion dollar industry that is out there, that if we feel kind of shitty about ourselves, but think we can always improve, we're going to give a small amount of very wealthy men more and more of our money whilst they get to control whatever beauty standard or health standard or life standard it is that we all need to hold ourselves up to. Fuck that shit. But if you can truly practice self-love and self-acceptance, I can guarantee it makes so many other parts of life easier. So just a couple of tips and tricks, nothing big here. Stop comparing yourself to others. We are socialized to be competitive. I totally get how natural it is. I grew up playing team sports. I grew up with a brilliantly academic older brother. I know what it's like to compare yourself to others. But as soon as you can disjoint yourself from that, cut that cord and find what makes you uniquely you and brilliant and how you fit in the world rather than going after what other people have. Defining your space can really bring you a calmness and a confidence that money cannot buy. And the good news is self-love is kind of a skill you can develop. Self-love helps us take care of ourselves. It lowers our stress levels and helps us strive for success and can protect us from negative thoughts and all of that self-sabotage that we are so tuned into in the world right now. So here's a couple of easy ways to start. Get to know yourself. What do you enjoy? And that's not just, I know this is a naughty podcast, so it's not just what do you enjoy in the bedroom, but what makes you smile? What makes you laugh? What's a hobby that consumes you, that makes you feel good, that you feel accomplished when you do? Do you love to cook? Do you like playing sports? Do you like to knit or to read? What are you curious about exploring? What makes you feel comfortable in your skin? Find ways to enjoy you 
to feel good in who you are. Take care of yourself. That will give you a confidence that I guarantee is impossible to buy. And yes, I'm a sex advice podcaster. Go masturbate. Go touch yourself. Figure out what gets you off. Is there a certain part of your body that just makes you feel good when it's touched? When you touch it, when you use a toy? And I'm not necessarily talking like the the obvious ones. Stroke your shoulders. Is there a tingly sensation on your elbow or somewhere on your arm between your shoulder blades? Although I guess that's kind of an awkward one to do yourself, but maybe you're super bendy and that's a thing you love. Get comfortable in your skin. Now being comfortable in your skin doesn't mean that you have to love every single part of your body. I have eating disorders. I have body dysmorphia from that. I would be lying to you if I said, yeah, I stand in front of a mirror every day and be like, fuck yeah, love every single part of this. But there's always something that I love. Normally it's more than one thing and other times maybe it's just one thing and that's okay. Figure out what your thing is. Take it slowly. These things don't happen overnight, but you are brilliant. But follow those hobbies, follow those curiosities, follow those feelings. And another big one is to try and learn to enjoy compliments. Now, this is hard, so I would sometimes suggest start by giving yourself a compliment. And then once you can kind of get used to that without feeling arrogant, learn to accept and embrace and internalize compliments that people give you. Try and turn that into a habit of embracing compliments. And any other positive regard that anyone wants to throw your way. I got a text this morning. This is going to sound arrogant, but we're going to be confident here from a guy who said that my ass was a 10 out of 10. Objectively, I might have all sorts of thoughts about this, but do you know what? To him it is, and to me it is. So I replied, yeah, it is, I know. And do you know how good I felt? And he didn't write back any sort of like arrogant comment. He just liked the post. We continued on with our day and I had a little spring in my step. Embrace the compliments, enjoy the compliments even if it feels fucking hard to begin with. Affirm and embrace my friends and celebrate the small wins. Celebrating wins for my friends is one of my favorite things to do, but I don't always do it for myself. And so that's definitely something this year I'm going to take on a little bit more, continue celebrating my incredible friends, but also celebrate my own small wins. And this is just beginning to build some self-care routines and they can protect you from that negative self-talk. Another thing I do is I move my body It's a great way to practice self-love. Now, I'm not saying you need to go to the gym and drop two, five, 10, 20, 30 pounds. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying move your body, get some oxygen flowing to your brain, feel good in yourself. Now, sometimes I go to the gym and I lift heavy weights. Regularly, you'll find me on a tennis court. That to me is therapy inside and out. I ride my bike. I pop out for a walk. This morning, I had a dance party at home. It was pouring with rain. I woke up. I was making my coffee and I was like, today is not going to be a gray day. I'm going to move. And I put on some Robin and I danced around my apartment and I felt so good in myself. It was so great to move. Nobody is watching me. Nobody is judging me, but I'm there. I'm in the moment. I'm feeling myself and it's been a good day. And the very final thing is talk to yourself like you would talk to your best friend. Celebrate your accomplishments like you would celebrate their accomplishments. So often I catch myself saying negative things about me that if I heard anyone say them about one of my best friends, I'd punch them in the face. I wouldn't. I like my wrist too much. I don't know how to punch and I don't want to be charged with assault. But I'd feel really mad and I might verbally go off at them and I'd tell my friend how amazing they were. So remember 
to do that for yourself as well. That's what the world needs more of, right? A little bit of self-love and confidence. On with the questions. Got a couple of great ones today. If you have a question, you know what to do. Just go to the website thornyissues.ca, hit submit a question, and you can record it right there and then, or record a voice note on your phone and send it to jacks at thornyissues.ca. All right, enough rambling. On with the show. Hey, Jax. I have a great marriage, and I'm pretty sure I'm entering into the early stages of a highly destructive affair. I'm a man in my early 40s with a loving wife and three kids. Our sex life isn't bad, and she still makes me laugh. But here's the thing. There's a member of my team at work who's in her early 30s, and we have become infatuated with each other. We haven't done anything physical nor vocalized it to each other, but the chemistry is off the charts, and she always overshares about her private life with me. I don't think I'm misreading signs. We are both always making excuses to be in meetings together. I'm aware that the dopamine hits I get from her are a simple addiction that is naturally self-reinforcing, but nevertheless, things seem to be getting more and more intense, and I like that. I have no intention of leaving my wife or cheating on her, and I don't think I should talk to my wife about my colleague. It might make her feel insecure. I also don't see it as sensible to have a direct conversation with my coworker. My plan is to carry on as usual, but drop more comments about how much I love my wife. The only other solution I can see is to start actively looking for other jobs. What do you think? Oh my. Okay. Dude, that is a bad plan. Dropping hints about your wife? Are you a teenager? Suck it up. You're going to have to have some conversations here, okay? Now, if your marriage wasn't good, I'd potentially give you slightly different advice. But I'm pretty hard and firm on this one. Don't jeopardize your family. Don't fuck it up. You've got a really good thing going on here. You said you're in a happy marriage. You've got three kids. You've still got a good sex life. She still makes you laugh. This sort of sounds like you're pretty committed and engaged to her. I think you just have a crush. You can stop having this affair by stopping this affair before it begins. Don't pretend and try and stop. That never, ever works. Affairs are not a thing that just happened to you. You control your behavior. You are not passive. We make choices in life. There are certain checkpoints along the way. It's not like you wake up six months down the line and go, oh, how did I get here when you turn over on your colleagues in bed with you? Come on, let's make some smart choices here. And we can go through this together. If we were out for a pint right now and you were one of my friends, I'd just want to shake you and be like, come on, wake up, let's do this. You don't have to act on your emotions. Take responsibility and stop this affair going any further. Yeah, it's gonna hurt to kind of stop the flirtation. You like the dopamine hit. You can stand that pain. And I'll tell you why. Because that pain of stopping a bit of a flirtation is absolutely nothing compared to the destruction of carrying on or hoping that it's going to disappear without any effort from your side. So fantasize about your coworker, but don't stop when you get that dopamine hit. Carry the fantasy on. Where does that take you? You've got three kids. Imagine them being shocked and miserable as their world is broken apart. Imagine them angry or trying to guilt trip you well into their adult lives. 
Imagine them calling your wife's new husband daddy. Follow that fantasy through and see where those feelings go. Take control of this obsession. Of course you will miss the thrill. My God, it's nice to feel wanted or to feel like someone's into you. Crushes are awesome. But you're a grown man and you have a wonderful wife. Your words, a great relationship. Don't mess it up. Some people think that they can sort of split themselves in two and they compartmentalize their lives and be attentive to your kids and your wife and also carry on your affair. It rarely works out and splitting yourself into two means you genuinely have less capacity for both sides of this life. Now, some people have affairs and they may never, ever get found out. Most people get found out and a lot of the time it's because they can't deal with the deceit anymore and they start leaving a trail for their partner to figure out that they're fucking up because it's just too hard to keep it going. Is this what you want? Quitting your job seems really rather dramatic and are you going to quit a really great job every time you have a crush on a colleague? People have crushes when they're in relationships. It's quite natural. But what you need to do is put your professional pants on, make sure your conversations at work are focused on work and that you don't have any extra reasons to meet behind closed doors. Don't act on those emotions. Stop feeding them. The dopamine hit will lessen in time. You say she's a member of your team. I'm also concerned about the power dynamic here. Are you a direct boss? Are you at the same level in the company? Do you have any control over her career in any way? It is not fair for this feeling that you have, which actually neither of you have ever said out loud, to potentially hinder her future. Be purely professional. Do not mess with her career. If she hits on you, if there's an active, she tries and does something, then you can say something. Lots of people have a work husband or a work wife. We lean on people in the office and we can definitely create some really strong bonds with people because our partners at home and our families don't know what we're going through in the day to day. They don't know how important that quarterly meeting is or that budget is or that big presentation that you've got. They're not riding the same highs and lows that you are in the office. And it can really be clear in office spaces where you suddenly get a bond with someone and you're like, wow, I really feel feel something's happening here. Maybe this is something more than it is. And a lot of times it's just that you're in the trenches together. So if she hasn't said anything, don't assume that that's how she feels. I know you say you can just feel it and she's making excuses to spend time with you. Don't fall for those excuses. Set a professional boundary. Be a grown up about this. Don't let life happen to you. Feel the pain of stopping flirting, but stop. Do not let your emotions be in charge of you. Own them. Own this situation. You've got this, okay? The next question is one that was emailed in, so you get me reading it out. Hey Jax, I've been single for two years now. I've mostly been dating through the apps, but I'm getting so sick of them. The conversation is either dead and fizzles out before we meet, or I'll go on a couple of awkward dates that wind up in a mutual ghosting. I feel like I'll never meet anyone with potential on these apps, but how do you meet people in real life? Help. 
Oh, I feel you. Dating apps are hard and trying to find your person can be tricky. You've also just made it through the holidays. However you celebrate, the holidays are hard as a single person. If you have been with family, there's always one person, at least, who likes to nudge you about when are you settling down? Have you found the one yet? There aren't exactly many Christmas movies that don't have love at the centre of them. So anyway, congratulations, you've made it to January. And it really is a great time to be dating. And I say that because the first Sunday in January is kind of known as the dating Super Bowl. It is the day that all of the major dating apps see their highest spike in users. They see their highest spike in new profiles and in interactions between profiles. So people are looking for love in the new year. This is good for you. Now, I found an online survey from Forbes Health, which they conducted at the end of the summer, and they polled 5,000 Americans who have actively dated in the last five years. The top place to find dates still is online dating, with 45% of people saying that's where they go. This was followed by being connected by a friend or at concerts and festivals. Now, it's not really festival season, but maybe you've got some concerts coming up and you can start to flirt with that cutie across the bar. I would suggest chat with your friends and not just throwing it out at a girl's night, being like, oh, I've got any single people you could set me up with. But actually follow up individually with some friends, friends you think that you trust their judgment on and say what you're looking for and be open with what they say back. Now, your friends might not have someone, but maybe they do. The first thing I think you need to do is sit down and think about what kind of relationship you want. Do you want to get married? Do you want to have kids? Do you want to explore ethical non-monogamy? Is finding your partner in crime really important to you? Are you looking for someone to make a home with? Are you looking for someone to travel with? What is it that you actually want? There's no wrong answer here. So really think about it. Are you looking for someone where you're going to end up living together. That's the goal. Are you looking for someone you'd love to see two or three times a week, maybe even once a week? How do you see a relationship fitting into your life currently? And then once you've done that, write a list of the qualities that turn you on in a partner. Now, some of these can be physical attractiveness. Of course they can be. It's unavoidable. You want to be attracted to your partner. Looks can fade and basing a relationship purely on physical appearance is unlikely to produce the healthiest of matches. But write a list down. There are so many qualities that we can't see the first time we meet someone. But are you looking for someone who's funny? Are they the life of the party? Are they kind? Are they reliable, dependable, smart? Do their politics matter to you? I've got quite a few American listeners and we're coming into an election year. Is it important to you that you both vote for the same political party? Bumble did a study in September and a huge thing that's important to people for dating trends for this year is that they align on social issues. And I totally get that. There is so much going on in the world. I don't really want to be disagreeing with my partner over things that are really important to me. So morals for me is pretty high. I want our moral compasses to match. Once you have this list, pop the list together and maybe circle the top three or four things. I'm hoping you've got like 15 or so things written down. You can't look to check off all of those. But what are the important ones? Just highlight those and have those top of mind so that when you do go out there looking for someone, you know what's important to you. 
What that also means as we get into weird text conversations with people where we have matched on an app and then we're chatting and then you realize it's not really going anywhere and you're focusing a bunch of energy into that. And that energy shouldn't be used on someone you know isn't right for you. And you know they're not right for you because they're not checking off anything on your list and definitely not hitting your top three or four. And I brought up app conversations because it is still the place that people find a partner. And I think if you can be more intentional about how you date and spot quickly people who don't fit what you're looking for, you're likely to get more quality matches that way. Look at the kind of app that you're using. There are so many out there for so many different things. There are the more sort of conventional apps like OkCupid and Hinge and Bumble. If you're looking for more adventurous sex forward relationships, perhaps you could try Field or FetLife. There are so many out there. Find the one that fits for you and maybe find one that you haven't used yet. And when you set up your profile, you do not need to take a lot of time, but you do want to make sure you put your best foot forward. Your profile is not about who you want to be or who you once were. Who are you now? Be confident in that. Make sure your first photo is a clear shot of your face. There are no sunglasses. There are no filters. You want this person to meet you in person. So why would you lie? The amount of people with sunglasses on dating profiles is ridiculous. Your eyes are the windows to your soul. Let us see them. Be confident. Put your best foot forward and write it when you're in a good mood and make sure your spelling and grammar is correct. (laughs) And don't be negative. Be positive. Any sort of negative statement makes you come across as kind of cold. If people are looking for a relationship, whether that is marriage or fucking, they are drawn to warm, kind personalities. Positive people, be positive. Be honest when you're chatting with people and be respectful and ask questions and listen to replies. We learn so much about people when we listen to them, when we read what they're saying. Dating can be exhausting, so think about how much energy you're going to put into the process. Don't endlessly scroll. Don't randomly match with people who do not fit your list. It's not good for your self-worth. I know it feels great. Lots of people go on apps to validate their egos. Apps are set up to give us a dopamine rush. Ooh, this person likes me. Oh, another match. Oh, he's hot and he thinks I'm hot. Great. But the downside to that rush is it leads us to feeling that we're not good enough. Why haven't they responded to me? Am I not as hot? Did they mean to swipe? set healthy boundaries. I personally turn off notifications on the app. I choose when I'm going to check in rather than constantly be drawn to the little icon at the top of my phone. Someone's there for you. No, be in and out with purpose and intention. It will make the whole process more fulfilling, I promise. And my last piece of advice is meet up with someone decently quickly. You don't want to worry about being catfished, but also You can tell very quickly when you meet someone if they're not right. I don't always think you can tell they're right, but you can tell that they are not right. So meet up, go for a coffee. Don't spend hours texting with someone that as soon as you meet, you're like, ooh, God, mess that up. Or at least have a phone call or a FaceTime. See how they interact in real time rather than just having to sit there and respond to texts. You will find someone who wants to date you. Be you, be honest, be intentional. Stay firm on what you want. Don't ignore misaligned paths because someone is hot or you don't want to hurt their feelings or because you're feeling lonely. Swipe less and more intentionally. Ask your friends if they've got anyone they could set you up with. And if you're just out there in the world, 
maybe look up from your phone or take your headphones off. Say hello to a few more people. Start conversations. You don't have to start it in a creepy way. Just say, how's your day going? If you're in a queue at a coffee shop, if you're at the gym and you pass the same person over and over again, it's not a declaration of love. It's just a welcoming hello. Good luck. You can do it. And hop on the apps one more time. Just see if Super Bowl Sunday works for you. Maybe you'll get the Lombardi trophy. So that's it for another episode of Thorny Issues. Thank you so much for listening. If you have a question for next week's show, go to the website thornyissues.ca and you can record it there or you can record a voice note and send it to jax at thornyissues.ca. For more information generally about sex education and relationships and intimacy, follow me on Instagram at thornyissues. I put together a marketing plan this year, so there's actually going to be, I think, quite interesting content. And so come follow me there. Be lovely to see you. If you liked this episode, you know that a five-star rating or a like or any sort of review, it really does help the podcast algorithms, which just helps more people see the show, which is really what I'm looking for to grow this community so we can all get curious about more things. So on that note, have a fantastic week, have fun, be kind, and stay curious. Bye.